Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to another Fandor video podcast. Hello, Chris Kelly. Hello, human. And hello, Bryn, our amazing producer. Hey, what's up, guys? Our guest today is really a legend in the film industry. He's the man behind such films as Maniac, Vigilante, Relentless, as well as a slew of other movies. Welcome to the Fandor podcast, Bill Lustig. Hey! Hey! How you guys doing? Hey! <laughs> We're great. We're great. Thank you for squeezing us in. I know how busy you are. You know, as I was doing research. No, not too busy. This is COVID time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I was watching interviews on you and, and you just talked about how continuously busy you are all the time. So I just figured you're doing us the biggest favor by squeezing us in today. No. I worked out this morning. I mean, I'm, I deal a lot with with stuff on the phone, and you know, so I'm not. I'm, right now, I'm not terribly busy because of COVID. Oh, okay. I'm, well, I'm, I was supposed to travel this week, and well, um, and next week, and it got canceled. Where, you, where were you supposed to travel to? Northern California. I was going to go to the Film Noir Fest in Oakland. Oh, great! Yeah, no, we were just we we we've had the the Film Noir folks on uh, previously on the podcast. Yeah. Bill, if you come up to there, the- I was doing a, a show in um, in Santa Rosa called Creature Features. Okay, well, I remember Creature oh, wow. Features from Channel from Channel Two um, uh, up here. That 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 was the the regular late night broadcast um, uh, that they had on Channel Two up here. Yeah, uh, there's, up. yeah there's a guy who does this uh, kind of like Adams Family type of yep. thing. Yep. Yep. Great Bill. stuff. Bill, if, yeah. you co- if you come up to the Bay Area, you have to let us take you out to dinner. Yeah, exactly. I love to. Okay. I love to. you got to send me all your details. I don't know if it's on your email or not. I will. I will. Send me your details. So so listen, Bill, let's let's get to the interview here. As I was doing research on you, I, you're incredibly fascinating. I, I want to start at the beginning. I want you to tell us about growing up watching movies at the Grindhouse Theater's First of all, tell us what the Grindhouse Theaters are and in, in, in your experience, your life growing up watching movies there. Well, I mean, the best depiction of a Grindhouse Theater was in two films, Midnight Cowboy and Taxi Driver, had the best depiction of Grindhouse. Um, the Grindhouse Theaters were these 
almost, I think they were 22 hours a day. I think they had a couple of hours to kind of pretend to clean them up. But, um, you know, they used to start showing movies at about 8.30 in the morning. And it would go into the wee hours. And um, I wasn't much of a high school student. I was going to high school in New Jersey. And um, when I would get there, I would say, okay, today I'm going to go to school. Today I'm going to go to school. And sure enough, after homeroom, I would do a great escape to the bus stop and take a bus to New York City and, and go to the movies all day. Nice. So in high school. You know, I was watching interviews on you, and you talk about Grindhouse Theaters a lot, but nobody ever said, where were your parents? Like, where was the parental... <laughs> so where where were your parents? Oblivious. <laughs> they just let you do whatever you wanted? They didn't know what I was doing. Oh, I They see. really didn't. I mean, the, the closest I ever got to my family knowing what I was doing... When Thunderball came out, I loved the movie so much. I went to see it like five days in a row at our local cinema in uh, in uh, New Jersey. I just loved the movie. I, I was I thought it was the greatest. I still do. And uh, my mother found out about it, and she said, "How dare you waste your money?" You know, I got I got hell for doing that. So I just keep my mouth shut. I went to see all these movies at the grind houses and uh, they never knew. Okay. Tell, tell me, tell us the two stories that I'm dying to hear about. I want to hear about the rats and I want to hear about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre story. Well, I went to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre the day after it opened. It opened on a Wednesday. I went to see it on a Thursday. I'll never forget this. And um, I must have been about, I'm thinking now, I, I must have been about 18 years old, I think. Anyway, um, and I'm in the theater, and this was the first time a movie delivered what the poster promised. And the audience went crazy during it. And it was, it was Bedlam in the theater. They just loved it. And I remember during the scene where um, she's being hit on the head with the hammer, uh -huh, and yeah. had the old guy, you know, in that phony mask, you know, uh, hitting her on the head. I had a, this guy turn and whipped his head around to me. He didn't know me from Adam. He goes, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. It was amazing. It was amazing. And uh, some of my other, my other uh, fun things was um, I saw Vigilante on 42nd Street when it first came out. And um, I was sitting in the theater and... Uh, and this guy, uh, this couple were there, and uh, they had the scene in Rikers Island, the prison, Rikers Island. And he's going to his girl, hey, that's where I was. That's where I was. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it comforts you. Yikes. Uh, um, let's talk about, oh, do, do you remember the last movie you saw in the Grindhouse Theaters before they closed in the 90s? You know, I, I, when the Grindhouse Theaters were closing, I was living mostly in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, I had stopped being, I was bi-coastal, but not as regularly as I was uh, 
Let's see. I think, you know, I was thinking about it when you, when I saw the question. Um, I think it might have been my movie, uh, Relentless, actually. Because oh. I'd always go see my movies on 42nd Street because they would bust me. If I put a phony scene in the movie, they would, they would bust me. So I would go to see it because they were, for me, my ultimate reviewers. It's your, it's your, it's your truth, your truth check. Oh yeah. Did you I, get it accurately? That yeah. was my reality check. Was uh, were these uh, were my were my audience on Forty Second Street because they wouldn't hold back. Yeah. The uh, movie poster behind you, Maniac, is probably the, Maniac the movie. Cop, actually. Oh, that's Maniac Cop. Okay. Well, the movie yeah. Maniac is yeah. is probably the the movie that you're you're the most well known for. I I was reading an interview where you said you told people you were NYU students when you shot the film. What? Why was that advantageous to tell people that? Well, there were two things we did. First, we didn't. Although we always intended to call the movie Maniac. We called it on the run, on the slates and in the labs and all the paperwork, it said on the run, including our New York City permits. It all said on the run. And uh, we were shooting the movie in 16 millimeter. So I used that to our advantage. And this way, anybody asks, it was an NYU film. It was an NYU film. Cause I didn't want to get busted by the Teamsters or have any union problems or anything else. And if you and we all were young, so I mean, I was 24 when I was making the picture, so um, you know, it, it, we got away with it. It's I, I recommend it. It's a good way to. Student <laughs> films get leeway oh, that the, oh. the, the bigger budget productions don't, or assume bigger budget productions. I mean, we only we shot the film for forty eight thousand dollars, so right. we didn't have the money for those things, and we didn't want to risk getting busted. Uh, you broke a lot of rules when it comes to the rules. Uh, tell us about shooting with live ammo. Like, well, that was actually breaking the law. That was <laughs> rules. That was jail. <laughs> yeah, but we did the scene where Joe jumps up on the hood of the car and fires the shotgun. He was doubled by uh, Tom Savini, and we used a live sawed off shotgun double load full you know full loads not half loads full loads so go through the windshield and everything and right behind the car shooting towards a, a busy highway <laughs> where cars were passing behind behind the car that we were shooting i never even thought about how stupid that was <laughs> a little dangerous <laughs> i mean we could have turned the car around and no one would have known but anyway, uh, yeah, we fired the shotgun through the windshield, um, and uh, we had three cameras, slow motion. And as soon as what happened with Tom is the hood of the car got oily from the um, from the uh, fog machine. These were the old fog machines that were really poisonous. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I probably knocked ten years off my life with those machines, and. Um, he, his legs fell out from underneath him and he landed on the concrete. Now, I didn't give a shit because it was Tom Sabini, but I did care about the shotgun. So I grabbed the shotgun from Tom and I had a sacrificial production assistant standing by and I threw it into the trunk of his car and I said, drive to New Jersey. 
and we were right near the bridge, so we got on the bridge and got out of New York State. I was afraid somebody might have heard it, somebody might have seen us do it. So we, nobody actually did, but we got rid of the shotgun. The evidence was gone. Was that the only time you guys used live ammo in a film? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. What, Wait a what, second. Wait oh. a second. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We actually did use live ammo. I think, yes, we used live ammo for vigilante for one shot, but it didn't. It was when we blew out a window. Uh, it was supposed to depict a, uh, a young boy being shot. In right. a bathroom, and we right. blew out the window with some blood on it and stuff. Yep. And we used live ammo there. Chris and I watched uh, Vigilante. Yeah, in we watched movie. Vigilante this weekend. Um, uh, in his movie theater in his house. <laughs> his movie theater in his house? Uh, it, it's not a big one, but it's, it's not. <laughs> Where do you live? I mean, I mean in Silicon Valley, in, in Atherton. Um, come, awesome. come on up. Come on by. Silicon Valley, huh? Nice. <laughs> I mean, I've been listening to the podcast about Elizabeth Holmes. I have such a crush on her. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should make the movie. You should make the next movie about her. Oh no, I want I want her. <laughs> well, she could be. I mean, she could be the next vigilante. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think she's so cool. She can break, break out of prison now. <laughs> I know. I make a visitor. 
My friend Scott Budman has been covering the trial and has done a fantastic job covering it. Um, Is that the podcast? Because that's what I've been listening. I think. To. I think. Yeah. I think it's his podcast that that. that Bad that, blood. It's called. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you about Billy Bag. I yes. uh, I've been in radio for over twenty years, and I've easily interviewed 30 40 50 different porno stars throughout my career but you're the first director i'm ever interviewing and um i'm just curious like how how did that opportunity present itself for you to enter the world of porn well here's the thing in the early 70s um it was the gold rush of porn Every independent producer, director, everybody in New York, New York City and on the West Coast were making 35 millimeter porn. And so when I was in high school, we had a friend of our family, a guy by the name of Peter Savage, uh, who was working kind of, you know, doing independent films and stuff, uh, but never really successfully. And he decided to get into uh, the porn business. And um, uh, I was about, I think I was 16, I think I was 16 or 17. He, um, I, I worked as a production assistant on his movie, Hit Neurotica. In fact, I just found the poster, I got it framed. Okay. And, um, and then that began, it opened the door to me working on adult movies. And what was fun about it is at that time, my uh, high school guidance counselor, um, I told him what I was doing when I would when I would cut school. I wasn't going out. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't I was going to work on porn. I'm just making porn. <laughs> and, and what would happen is when I get back to school, <laughs> we would they would all the guidance counselors would crowd into my guidance counselor's office for my debriefing of what went on in the porn that I was watching that weekend. So, so the depiction, well, so the depiction in Boogie Nights and in in the Deuce, you know, pretty pretty accurate. Um, it, not, you know, the Deuce was bullshit. Okay. Uh, bullshit. Okay. There was some aspects of truth. But man, that thing was ridiculous with, with James Franco playing his twin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I felt like it was like the Patty Duke show or something. I mean, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. And, um, you know, there were some aspects of, of it that were, you know, that, that, that had a ring of truth to it. But they still, the only thing that's ever come out that really is the most accurate recording of the porn business is the other Hollywood. Okay. You know the book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know the book. Yep. I forgot the author's name. He has an interesting name. Oh, Lights McNeil. Okay. Lights McNeil wrote it. He's the same guy who did the, uh, the punk rock mm -hmm. uh, journal. He did this other Hollywood. And everything that I had firsthand knowledge of that's in the book is exactly. absolutely accurate. So I've extrapolated that the rest of it must be accurate. And um, yeah, that was a really, that's a really good book. But as far as Boogie Nights, I really wasn't that familiar with the West Coast scene. Right. 
I met Alex Dorenzi, who was a big deal in, in San Francisco. And he used to go down to Haight-Ashbury and pick up girls. And those were his actresses. They weren't, you know, they weren't, they had no, they were just like flower children. You know, they, they had no uh, desire to be real actresses. They just would like to fuck and, you know, and that was it. <laughs> so uh, has the opportunity presented itself for you to get back in the director's chair for adult films? No, it, it never was good. Look, I I made the one, I was 21 years old when I produced and directed my first one. And in some places I was too young to even go see my own movie. So <laughs> I wasn't exactly sought after to, to make adult movies. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so listen, uh, Normally, you know, our interviews are like 15, 20 minutes. Um, I want to end part one here uh, okay. because I want to do a second part with Bill. So, Bill, um, thank you. Yes. We okay. will be back shortly with this part two. Yeah. Thank you, Bill Lucy. You should end with a cliffhanger or something. <laughs> okay, all right. This is what we're going to talk about in part two. This is the cliffhanger. What does Bill do when it comes to mentoring and teaching up and coming uh, directors. And how can you possibly get in touch with him if you want to pick his brain? Okay. That's part two. Nice. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.